Blog Talk Radio. Hi, welcome. This is Jai Carr, and today's show is Women's Grit and Grace, What the Bible Left Out About Men and Women. So I want to go and talk. This is going to be a very, very, um, shall we say, um, preview of what is a much, much larger topic, um, dynamic, um, and but I think it's a really important conversation for women to not only begin to step out of the shadows of what that has happened to them that our culture does not um, care for, but also to, to, as I say, learn the history behind where we are so as to understand that there are there are many um, there are many dynamics that have come to creating a dynamic of violence against women, even in the United States. And um, one of the things that I like about history is is it's um, you know again history has to be looked at from many different aspects. You can't just take standard history books. Um, you know, as the saying goes, history is written by the victors, and women have not been the victors for a long, long time. Um, but there are sources you can go to, and I'm going to mention some of them in today's um, podcast, um, for learning the history of women. So today's show, I'm going to read the write-up, and then I'll go into um, the topic. While women's, uh, while men's patterns destructive to women and relationships are often passed on, what the Bible refers to as the sins of the father, missing is reference to how the silences of the mothers contribute as well to how men and women um, treat each other. No surprise is the Bible, as our most spiritual books and writings of our current time, um, have been written by men about men's experiences, um, whether it's physical or spiritual or emotional. In today's episode, I want to talk about how the silencing of women's voices has led in great part to how our world is imbalanced and our relationships are challenging. Um, Both men and women bear responsibility for creating this current condition of uh, in our world and, and relationship. And by responsibility, I don't mean blame. I don't mean have power to make different. But but I, I do feel that when one faces the responsibility one has, the power one has, things can change. History was written by the victors, but time always brings home the true price of any victory claimed over another. And that is, you know, that is a lot of where we are in our relationships. But I'm going to talk about that when I finish reading this. Today I want to talk about how the silences of of her mother is what every woman must face and make her choice to change. It is time for women to lead in making the changes so necessary to a healthier world and relationships, beginning with reclaiming the power of our voice, which is the first step to reclaiming our power and the much, much needed leadership of women. And by leadership of women, again, this would be a asterisk. It would look and be and feel differently than the leadership of men. And again, different isn't better. Different is simply different. So um, let me talk a little bit about where I where I come to on this. 
you know, current awareness in America about the violence of women, how prevalent it is, how socially and politically and legally um, uh, sanctioned it is by even such a, a, you know, a field as the Hollywood field, the arts and, and film field, which, you know, we tend to think of as liberal, creative, uh, you know, cutting edge. And yet, you know, there is this epidemic of sexual violence um, against the women within the community. And silence. Now, you know, as a child, um, I remember being in fourth grade. Um, I had taken down a friend of my parents who were both teachers, a professor, um, and take him down to the basement to show him the basement. And, you know, at some point he decided to try to press himself against me and take my clothes off. I'm, I'm nine years old. I remember being horrified. I remember being able to get away from him, running upstairs, but it never even occurred to me to give voice to that, to say to my parents, this just happened, and and to, as a child, call on their protection. And, and you know, I thought about that later. Why didn't I say anything to my parents? And I knew what the answer was. They would have sided with their peer against me. They wouldn't have believed me. They would have, you know, somehow made it that I was wrong and I was harming him. And hereby begins what I call the silences of the mother. There was no mother protecting me in that, in my experience. Now, I was fortunate. I had, it it only, you know, it only went to a point where I could run away and there was no, you know, physical assault on my body. But the fact that my mother was not not only a, a support, um, she would have made me the um, the culprit, um, then informs a whole lot of what I learned as a woman about what to give voice to, where I could give voice, who was going to um, be willing to hear what I had to say, who was going to make me wrong or perhaps even bring harm to my speaking up. And, you know, again, I, you know, I'm living in a fairly liberal um, community. My parents are both teachers, professors. We're living in college towns, again, cutting edge, more liberal. And yet here they were not, you know, they would not have supported me. So when people you know, ask, why don't women speak up? Why don't women, you know, share? Why, you know, I go, it starts early. It starts very early. What are the messages we get as women of what we are allowed to give voice to? And who will be witness to that? Who will protect us in doing that? Who will stand by us? And the people you would think, you know, would do so, often, often do not. Not only are they often perpetrators of violence, you know, family systems are one of the worst systems for sexual violence, but also just in the in giving voice. So and and the reason I call that, you know, we know in, in epigenetics epigenetics and we know in psychology, um, and even in spirituality that patterns pass, family patterns pass. If your father was abusive to your mother, you're going to somehow suffer from that in your lifetime you're going to you're going to have to deal with those patterns of abuse 
um, either because you uh, may carry them forward, you may reject them, but leaving and rejecting is not the same as transforming. And so those patterns, you know, what they call the sins of the father, um, do pass to the next generation to have to reconcile. But what I call the silences of the mother are what allow things to be to be carried from generation to generation in the world of secrets, in the world of the shadows, in the world of what is the message you are actually giving when you don't um, allow a child to speak what is true. And instead you silence it and you make them wrong for it. And mothers have this power. Um, you know, I remember being with my last child in a preschool, again, liberal you know, suburban preschool, and watching her, one of the mother's sons be, you know, kind of be bullying two other little boys. And I watched to see if anybody slash she was going to do anything, and she she was not. And I went forth and I, you know, physically separated her son and said, you cannot treat other people that way. And she came over and she was not happy with me. And she she said, well, boys will be boys. Do you have a problem with that? And I'm looking at her going, now, she would consider herself very liberal, very, you know, appropriate with, you know, appropriate uh, values and ways of treating people. And here she was defending her son uh, under the guise of boys will be boys. So was this mother, um, you know, kind of doing right not only by her child, but anybody her child would then form a relationship with down the road? Um, And, you know, for me... Silence wasn't an option. I mean, I did know she wasn't going to be happy. I did know I was going to have to say, no, boys aren't boys who just because they're bullying. That is not what a boy is. Um, uh, but, you know, it's it's not an easy road. I understand. You know, this is why um, I understand why so many women stay silent. Um and and so part of what happens also is, you know, you have women who have, you know, power in one part of their life who, when it comes to sexual violence they've experienced, go silent. And and then, you know, I've had people say to me, well, you know, they had that power. Why did they go quiet? And I go, because we we have roots as women of not, uh, uh, it, it's not just that act of violence that we're dealing with. It's, as I say, the the price of the silence of the mother. It's also there's great social and legal um, challenges to being a woman, even now in this country in 2017. And, you know, one of the books I I remember being very pivotal to my real um, quest to learn about the history of women and learn about the relationship between men and women and where they are and how did they get here and where can they go better was is a freshman in college reading a fabulous book. If you have not read it, I consider it required reading for every woman. Um, it's called Against Our Will by Susan Brown Miller. Um, in this book, she writes about the history, the politics, the sociology of rape and sexual violence against women, and how there's an in, inherent and an ained, ingrained inequity and inequality of women and men under the law. And so what this means is men feel entitled, men feel protected, men feel this is what men have as their due. 
And, you know, you can scoff at that, but then you go, okay, so how is it that in 2017 women still make, what is it, 80%? Why is it that we don't have an equal rights amendment in America that basically says, yes, women have the same rights? Um, there, you know, you can scoff at that, but dynamics create uh, dynamics create reality. And if you're always going, but of course you have equal rights, but actually there's nothing much you can do to equalize the 80% against my 100%, um, you know, which is what many a woman faces when she would say, this is inappropriate what you're doing, go to HR and be told, hey, you can either be quiet or you, we can fire you. So, you know, that violence is not, you know, there's the sexual violence, but there's also the economic um, abuse. And, and, and I don't say this as somebody who says, oh, you know, crawl under a rock and hide. It's, again, going back to understand the dynamics behind how it is that sexual violence in America, in the United States of America, 2017, is so prevalent. Um, it is not third world countries. It's not over there. Ask any woman. I mean, this, this is part of what, you know, this, this hashtag, Me Too, was bringing up to the surface. Who do you know that hasn't had this kind of experience? There was, you know, <laughs> there was a fabulous article I read a couple of weeks ago where it talked about having men and women, um, you know, write of their experiences of having to work late and be the last one in an office building, and what did that mean to them? And, you know, for the men, it just meant a hassle. They'd have to pick up food on the way home, and oh well. And for the w women, it was, you know, they they were now in um, how do I stay safe mode, and they detailed the ways that they do stay safe every day, locking doors, locking cars, parking under lights, parking not too far from a lit building, not going out past a certain time, not wearing certain clothes after a certain time. And they compared these two lists and, and you know, they, they were making this so men could see here's how it is. Here's our regular life as women. This is not Hollywood. This is not in a bad neighborhood. This is in a suburban, upper-class neighborhood that you as a woman have to take these kind of measures. So one of the things that I also want to pay attention to when I say the silences of the mother, what is it that women are taught pretty early? You're to be nice, to be quiet, don't say that, don't make waves, um, don't make them mad, don't rock the boat. Okay, These are not things that are said to men. These are things that are said to women under the guise of this is what it is to be a well-behaved slash graceful woman. And, you know, I, you can say, no, I don't believe that. No, I don't do that. But begin to watch yourself just where you do silence yourself, just where you do not really say what is true for you, where you do choose to not rock a boat, to not make waves, to not say, well, actually, I don't agree with that. I think that's bullshit. Um, and why you don't, because there's a social cost to it, at least, if not for many women, an economic cost um, or even a relationship cost. 
Now, again, I'm a big proponent of how. How is a really important distinction between what bothers you and how you respond to it. How can make a big difference, not because you're being nice, but because you want to be effective. If you want to be effective in change, how makes a big difference. Um, and I think this is, you know, this is kind of related to what I call there's women's ways of power and there's women's ways of leadership. There's an overlap with men, but there's also a distinction. And one of the things that women have as both a blessing and a curse is our cognitive ability to discourse. You know, women, we, as women, we tend to process everything. We have to talk about it. We have to, you know, talk with it with our friends. We have to, you know, really process it. And that's, that's a gift because if it's used to then bring voice to what could be better, what needs to be addressed, what needs to be stopped, it's fabulous. If you're looking at it as just kind of blowing, blowing out that, that power of the word, be careful. Um, you know, be a woman, be, be aware that words have power. And yes, there is a time to be silent, but, but again, look to yourself. What is it that you are choosing in being silent? Is it discretion? Is it grace? Is it fear? Is it, um, you know, concern about safety? And I'm not saying be foolish with giving voice, opening up your voice, sharing your voice. Um, safety and survival are essential. But I think it's, um, I think the silences of mothers, we all, each woman at some point in her life will have to face. She will have to face how she was brought up, where to be silent, about what was she to be silent, what was considered a well-behaved woman in her family, what's considered, you know, a bitch and a loudmouth in her family, right? Um, and, you, you, you know, we all need to come to that, that fork in the road and say, do I continue being silent as my mother was about something? Um, about what's important to me, about what's true for me. And again, it's not an either or. It's not be silent or, you know, <laughs> be an asshole to everybody with your words. There's a middle. But sometimes, like any new skill or any new permission, you have to practice. It's not always pretty. But it's essential to move from being silent to using the gift we are given as women of our words. Um, of our ability to inspire, of our ability to, to discern and to have that intuitive um, skill to know what something done today will unfold into a year from now, five years from now, 20 years from now. I mean, isn't that what a mother does? She, she helps her child feel secure by responding to his cry so he can form a belief that the world is responsive, the world is secure. He has a place and is cared for in the world. He uses or she uses their voice as a child, as a baby, to, to, to form a belief about the world. And when we give, give response to what is voiced, we help build the confidence and security, inner security of another being. That is true for ourself with ourself and ourself with other women. 
one of the challenges I, I run into time and time again in my work, I've, now I've been in this work for almost 20 years, of working with women, their relationships, um, about what women, one of the challenges women have is to, to support each other. Not to necessarily agree with each other, but to form a community of support that says, that may not be true for me, but I can see it is for you, and it's really important, and I can see what the purpose is for you, and okay, I'm there for you. We, it, it, it's, it's one of our challenges as women. But I think this giving voice, when we begin to give voice for what is true, for what has happened, what are the, what are the, the wounds that we hide so well, um, and realize not only are, are, was it not you know, a solitary act, we are not alone. In fact, the common, the common is you know, how we all at some point were put in, in jeopardy just simply because we were a woman. So, again, this is a huge topic. Um, and, um, you know, I, I just, I just I, you know, it's a huge topic because I'm a big believer and a big proponent of know what came before we got to the place we are. And, again, this book by um, Susan Brown Miller, Against Our Will, another um, wonderful um, Resource is the National Film Board of of Canada put out a DVD many years ago, and it was called The Burning Times, and it talks about how women of wisdom, women of power, women of of healing were in the Middle Ages during the Christian Crusades were hunted down, cast out as witches, and, and, uh, you know, a generation of, uh, or two or three, depending on what source you're referencing of of the wisdom of women was wiped out from Europe. Um, this leads right into the uh, epigenetics uh, that is becoming more and more um, established of how trauma from the past reverberates through generations of cells. So, you know, one of the things as women we are facing is, yes, there was a price to, to not being silent. In our cells, our cells go, hey, if you're not silent, you're in danger. You could be killed for what you say, for what you know, for what you share as wisdom or power or healing. And that is true. But if it's time for that to be transformed, to be healed, then so be it. And I believe that's where we are. I believe the healing of this planet requires the healing of women's fear and rage. And um, and it's a both and. We're being asked to transform at the same time that we're being asked to do our healing work. Um, And giving voice is a critical part of that healing work. So I've got to (laughs) go over time. Um, And I may make this a two-part just because there's more information I'd like to bring out that, again, this is just the tip. This is just like the intro. Um, But I'd love any feedback, questions, comments. Um, conversations you'd like to have, you can reach me at jaikar um, at gmail.com, J-A-I-K-A-U-R dot, uh, J-A-I-K-A-U-R at gmail.com. Um, and, um, you know, be kind with yourself, but do honor yourself as well. <laughs>